Welcome to Canada Homeschools, the dose of inspiration and encouragement for Canadian homeschoolers. Canada Homeschools features interviews with homeschool group organizers, resource suppliers, and conversations with everyday homeschoolers just like you, all from a Canadian perspective. I'm your host, Rowan Atkinson. I'd like to thank you for joining me. Now let's get started. <laughs> In 400 meters. In 100 meters. This second interview in our series on homeschooling styles is with Corey Dean, who is the Canadian expert when it comes to Charlotte Mason education. And she is the founder and owner of Maple Tree Productions and is the new owner of The Learning House. And she loves Charlotte Mason education and promotes it and explains it and teaches it. And so we are privileged to have a few moments of her time to just go over this kind of teaching style and how, uh, what it looks like in your homeschool, what it can look like in your homeschool. Hey, Corey, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. It's nice to chat with you again. I love it. That's one of the treats of being a podcaster. You get to have great conversations with great people. So today we're talking about Charlotte Mason education. And the first question that I have for you is, who was Charlotte Mason? Charlotte Mason, she's one of my heroes. She was an educator around the turn of the century, the late, eight, uh, late 1800s, early 1900s. She passed away in the 1920s. And um, she had some revolutionary thoughts and styles about education, but she also just succinctly brought together some very good techniques and thoughts and theories that were current and um, that were relevant. So she she pulled together ideas um, that, and she, and she bound them together well and explained them very well. Her style of education resonated with people at the time when public education was becoming a new thing and people were, um, were starting to find education accessible to the masses. It wasn't just something that was available to um, upper class elite uh, families anymore, but Charlotte Mason really advocated, and the main first tenet of her um, her philosophy of education is that all children are born persons. And when you really unpack that idea, she really there's so many neat ideas ensconced in that. But her her main tenet is that all children are born persons. In that they're all capable, they're all intelligent, they're all inquisitive, they're all creative, they're all. Um, Children are all born already made in the likeness of their creator, God. And so it is our, um, our, our 
God-given um, opportunity uh, to steward that well by um, bringing them up and giving them great materials and giving them the opportunities that many times were not available to um, to kids outside of sort of the elite classes. So she um, challenged the notions of the day that um, a child of a working class family, like a child of a of a uh, carpenter could be anything but a, a carpenter themselves. And so she, um, she brought some really cool ideas to education and a real vibrance to education that brought it outside of just being rote um, memorization and so on, and really brought a vibrance and a liveliness and a, um, an abundant um, nature to education. Thank you. That's so inspiring. And um, how would you then describe the Charlotte Mason style of homeschooling? What were a couple of her specific ideas and how did they apply to, uh, to education? And then how does it apply to homeschooling? Yeah, like we could talk about it all day long. Charlotte Mason was such a, a, a amazing character. What, um, what was really neat is that she got into the minds of kids and of families because she didn't have children of her own. She devoted her life to teaching, but she really knew kids and what they needed. And um, she came up with three main tools or tenets, um, main um, ways of educating and, and kind of divided it into this. We usually look at the academics as a full education. We think, what does a child need in terms of math and language arts and science and geography and history? But she said that we need to look at students more holistically and so she said there's three main tools of education. That is education is an atmosphere, it is a discipline, and it is a life. And what she meant by that was that education is an atmosphere. First of all, um, it is that children don't need to be brought up in a, in a kind of a child environment where they don't need to have a classroom atmosphere in order to learn, but that all of our life is the opportunity to have that uh, education. And so she would um, encourage learning through all of our um, various points in the day and not to um, limit it to uh, classroom space or time. And that um, it also talked about, she, she talked about our, at, our attitude towards education, um, giving our children that um, passion for education that isn't about getting good grades or um, pleasing the teacher or about um, marking specific milestones, but about learning for the sake of learning itself and building an atmosphere that really fostered that in not just formal academics, but in all of life where we would be learning um, and, and growing academically through other things. The second is a discipline. And she wasn't talking about, um, you know, being harsh with students and like punishing them, but about building habits and about how habit building is just as important as um, as just as the academic fair that we give our students that um, and we've seen this in our own family so many times um, before our children were old enough to be schooled we were doing foster care and we would have foster kids come in usually teenage girls come and live with us and we would see them um, coming in and whether they did well at school or not a lot of times what they really needed was life skills the ability to um, get along with others to budget to, um, to, to work under authority, to manage timelines, to um, be attentive to details, to have good habits of hygiene 
or uh, um, good spiritual habits, good um, habits of um, caring for themselves, for their family, for others. These are the things, these are the, the um, things that are just as valuable for us as adults, as the academics are. I mean, when we talk about um, preparing young people for the workforce, we want them to be able to be attentive to detail and um, able to work on a schedule. We want them to be able to care for themselves, to get to work on time, to um, have the good hygiene, to work with their coworkers, to budget well, to get along with people, to do all those things are just as important to me as an employer as it is that they learned their science, their history, their math, or I mean something that's even more job relevant that, um, that brings them into the workforce. And you know what, not just to the workforce, but to life um, that we use as parents and families in relating to other in our, in others in our communities, we need those life skills. And um, we need that strong character um, development. We need to, to build into our kids values that are very important to us. And that stuff is just as important as the academic context. So she, Charlotte Mason talked about the atmosphere, she talked about a discipline, and she talked about a life. And that third tool, um, education being a life, is about, um, about treating academic content as not limited to subjects in school, but about giving our kids that wide and deep scope of learning that helps them to get in touch with things that are beautiful, get in touch with things that they can be passionate about, things that they are gifted at, and not just, although it is very, very important, but not just the really academic things like learning your math and your algebra and learning to read and having good grammar. And all of those things are very important. But, um, but she, she talked about learning those things through real life. So while we will have formal lessons about math, we also can see where it applies to real life because we're applying it in, you know, running our own little businesses or, or getting our um, allowances and spending them well and applying it to real life. And that's how math becomes alive or literature. We can learn to read and we can learn um, grammar. We can learn um, all the spelling and all those different parts. But if we don't get into really good literature, we don't see the application of it and we don't see the world open up of how beautiful literature can be just for the enjoyment of great stories. And yet we also learn all of that literature to be able to learn about history and geography and science and natural history. And we get to learn about art and, and the great thoughts of great minds and so on. And so she really talked about um, getting kids in touch with big ideas, um, even when they were little and not talking about inappropriate ideas, but ideas that were that often we say children are not ready for. And um, kids, kids just blow me away over and over and over again at how they are able to take big ideas and run with them and ponder them and think on them. And she really encouraged that too, giving kids time, keeping lessons short and giving them time to just to ponder things, to, to get into things that they're passionate about, to try new things, to have time that um, they could digest an idea before they went on to the next lesson or the next idea. All of that, um, she, um, she talked about all of that ending in what she called the science of relations. When we can bring children to this end of loving to learn and getting in touch with an idea and saying, oh, that means something to me. And um, I remember uh, a time when my kids and I were reading the story of Gladys Aylward. 
And we read this biography and we could have just read, you know, a, a short um, summary of her life. And we would have, we have learned probably as many facts about her as if we'd read this story, but this story in, in novel form written by somebody who loved the topic and who clearly had an interest in Gladys Aylward wrote it as a story and helped us to really internalize. She was working with children, children, you know, my kids age, children, the age of, of us as we read this story together and the highs and lows that they went through and the ways that they could relate. And afterwards, for them to be able to say, oh, we really love Gladys Aylward because they related to her. They had this relationship with the content and the material. And if you ever ask them, even now, years later, they would say, we really enjoyed the story of Gladys Aylward and we get excited about it because of these and this, this reason. And while we were doing that, we learned about history and we learned about geography and we learned about church culture and we learned about caring for others. And we learned so many things because we got into some rich source material about Gladys Aylward in a good book. And we were able to learn um, just through good literature. So we built that science of relations, that relationship with the material um, that really made it come alive and stick with us better than if we had memorized a list of facts about Gladys Aylward. So uh, that's like a really big summary of Charlotte Mason's um, philosophy, just that, um, that kids should be fed great ideas, that they should have an abundance of uh, opportunities to learn from many different subject areas and from many different um, avenues and that they should be ways that they um, can get in touch with it and, and really enjoy it. So Charlotte Mason actually wasn't really into textbooks and workbooks. That was um, not something that she used often because she really wanted them to get in touch with life and to, to learn through living and um, to get in touch with great materials. Um, I may have gone on a tangent there. Did I, did I answer that? <laughs> yes, you did. So when I think of Charlotte Mason, I think of um, living books or good literature, and you did touch on that. And then I also think of nature study. And maybe those are the two things that jump out at me because I love both of those things. And yes. even though I wasn't homeschooled my whole time, I still basically um, yes. gave myself a Charlotte Mason education by studying nature and reading a lot of really good books. Um, but um, yeah, so just just thought we could maybe talk about the nature study aspect or just get it. Um, it was so great to have the philosophy behind the education because that can then inspire sure. everything you do, but maybe just something a little more putting some feet on the ground to it. Um, if you could, if you could share something about that. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, yeah. Let me tell you about some of the methods. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I really appreciate about Charlotte Mason is that is that we can really put, um, we can put into it what we can. And what I always wanna recognize with moms and dads is that Charlotte Mason was, a, was a, a, an educator. She wasn't a mom and she wasn't, a, um, she wasn't doing education in a home setting. She taught people how to teach in their homes and she taught teachers how to teach in school settings. But she didn't actually ride out this crazy train that we're doing as home educators, where um, she had, um, where she had babies waking her in the middle of the night, and people stopping by uninvited, and, you know, spilled milk and laundry that wasn't finished from two weeks ago, she didn't have that same family environment 
for her education. And so I think that what we really need to do as parents is pour a lot of grace on the way that we apply a Charlotte Mason style of education in our homes. And so I love to go through with people the methods that she used and just set people free to say, do what works for you. And if you guys love textbooks and workbooks, but you want to add in art and drama and music, then, then understand how Charlotte Mason would have applied to that. If you want to, um, if, if it works best for you to have a specific um, schedule of, of um, how to learn to read in a different way than a Charlotte Mason style work, then do it. But know that these are methods that could and uh, that could work for you in conjunction with the non-Charlotte Mason style uh, methods that you have. So yes, you touched on living books. Living books are very key. Those are books that, and the, the easiest test for a living book is, do you like it? Is it one that you would read just for fun and not as a school book? But there were, there are books written by people who are passionate about their topic, written usually by one author with um, um, very rich vocabulary, not vocabulary that you get lost in, but, but uh, vocabulary that um, is enriching to us. Um, they would be considered kind of the meat and potatoes of an education. And the opposite of a living book would be what you'd call twaddle. And Charlotte Mason called it twaddle. And it's kind of like our candy. You can have a little bit of it, but when you get too much of it, you're just not going to get the nourishment that you need for your brain. And so um, living books would be the meat and potatoes of our education. Um, and um, many, one of the things that really drew me to a Charlotte Mason education was that those books are usually available at libraries and in the public domain or um, that you can get a lot of that at used book sales and stuff like that, because it's good, rich literature that's been around often for years. So you can get into a lot of good classics, living books. Narration is another key part, a key method to Charlotte Mason's methods. And I would always say narration is like our, like our testing method. We don't tend to do fill in the blank um, tests with our um, with our students we don't tend to have um, you know multiple choice and essay question we might have essay questions but in the in the sense that we would say tell me what you know about and narration is the opportunity for a child to tell back what they know and so we're not testing them for what they don't know which is what a traditional test does we're testing to see what they do know and the level of comprehension they have and as parent I can get involved with my kids to to an extent enough that I can know from their narrations and I can evaluate their narrations and say, ah, they got this part. They didn't get this part. And that's the part that maybe we'll dive into more the next time we go into this topic or that we need to dive into now. And so narration is um, a way of telling back what you know. And with young, young children, that would only be done um, by orally or with drawings. Um, it's not until they're about nine or 10 that we have them writing those out themselves. Um, at the younger years, they could dictate that and have mom and dad write it down, or they could just tell it back. But narration is the telling back of what we know. Um, the next thing, as you said, is um, nature study. Um, Charlotte Mason um, definitely, definitely, definitely advocated for getting outside in the fresh air. And she um, actually was a com contemporary of Maria Montessori. Um, very similar philosophies, except that Charlotte Mason had a very much a Christian foundation to her philosophy. Um, but they advocated and she advocated for getting kids outdoors. If you want to learn about trees and birds and brooks and 
um, and about space and about all of these things, go out into the world and enjoy them. It is better for kids to learn about trees by being in the trees a lot than by filling out diagrams about them to feed the animals, feed the birds and to see who comes around and how they behave and, um, and we've had a ton of fun doing that, just having a bird feeder, just going on hikes in the woods near our home. Um, even the, just the very simplest parts, like having a, a bird feeder and getting to know all of those um, uh, different characters that come and go. And, you know, like that guy's a bully and this one cleans up and he's so sweet. And, you know, we get to know um, nature and we get to know um, our, our studies and, you know, uh, in that case, we were studying birds and animals, um, get to know it so much better by experiencing it. So nature study is a key thing. I assume um, you were talking about blue jays when you were talking about the bullies and the sweet the ones being the chickadees. <laughs> In our house, it's the grackles that are the bullies. Oh, yes. They the, take over. Yes. Yes. And so we have a feeder that won't allow them. It, like when they get on it, it pulls down. It won't let them eat. But the juncos, the juncos and the chickadees. They're, they're so favorite, chill, the juncos. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes when I think about Charlotte Mason education, I think about Anne of Green Gables and how education was before. And then when Miss Stacy came along, yes. she took them outside into nature yeah. and just really changed the whole philosophy of learning yeah. from what it was before. So I just get that picture in my mind of Miss Stacy and how inspiring she was to Anne. And yeah. I mean, they got a really great education from her, but they really, it was more about life and it was about nature and it, it was about and, discipline and character. And, um, and so I, I sort of think of Miss Stacy as sort of a poster child for a Charlotte Mason educator. Very good. I hadn't thought of that. That's really neat. And she really, um, what she did, what one really key thing is she inspired them to want more. They didn't depend on her as a teacher. Yes. So our students, we want them to learn to love to learn, not to learn to love to please us or to learn to love the schedule or to learn to love good grades or what we can promise that they'll make when they're older in terms of, you know, monetary successes and stuff. We want to teach them that learning is a delight unto itself. And I think that that is a, that's a really beautiful part of a Charlotte Mason education. So um, other methods, she believed in short lessons, not drawing on like like this. <laughs> and um, she believed in, you know, leave them loud and wanting more, give them a couple of good ideas to mull over instead of 10 and hope that they catch two. Um, no, no grades. She spoke about um, when children were graded or given evaluations, it was given more anecdotally. It's not she achieved an A, but she has learned this, she can work on this. These are some great things that, um, that have um, that she's achieved, but these are the ways that we've made progress. And these are um, uh, the ways that we've learned the topics that we've learned about, not about um, attaining for a level of perfection. So she didn't use grades. She encouraged perfect execution, which meant really giving it really your best, really putting, I would rather that you did um, a small amount really well than that we did a lot sloppy. And uh, that um, shows out in a Charlotte Mason style of teaching handwriting. We could ask our students to write a letter very, um, very well, two or three times, 
and get as far in teaching them those fine motor skills as if we have them do a whole page. Because you and I both know that when we have a small child and we say, I want you to do a whole page of, of, a whole page of A's, the first three are going to look pretty good. And after that, it goes downhill. And what we've done is reinforced a poor skill. We want perfect execution. We'd rather do a, a small amount very well and, um, um, and, and allow that growth in that way. Um, she talk, I talked about ideas and culture, about habit, about um, having free time without homework, um, free afternoons in a Charlotte Mason education style education. Generally, students before high school level have their afternoons off to pursue those ideas, to play violin, to play outside in the yard, to learn new uh, stories, to read new stories or to learn new things, to, to do a play, to create something artistically, to just be kids and play and enjoy life and to just take that time because in the background their kid, our kids are digesting so much they're getting those ideas and working on them so we want them to have that level of, of self-governance for that time of digesting and learning new on their own. I have in the back of my mind that notebooking is something that is big in Charlotte Mason am I correct in that? Yeah, notebooking is one of our applications of narration. So with little ones, a lot of times it's just drawing, but notebooking is something, especially with nature notebooks, if you're doing um, nature study, um, we, we encourage them to draw or paint or um, create in some way um, a depiction of what they've seen. And it helps us to really digest those ideas. Um, we also do notebooking with um, book of, a book of centuries. And we tend to, um, we like to have... Um, one book that pulls together all of those uh, different episodes in history throughout our entire learning time. And so my oldest daughter often says, make sure that the younger sisters keep working on these things because it's got so many memories from when she was tiny to when she was so much older, where she kept making entries. And she would say, oh, I remember we studied that. And look, at it's right next to this time in history. And you really make those um, those associations. And so we just keep that by having a book and you can do it ever so simply with just a, uh, you know, a simple sketchbook and putting, you know, a different century on each page, or you can make it much more complex than that. But keeping a book of centuries is another notebooking style. And Charlotte Mason advocated for lots of actually different ways of playing out that notebooking. Um, but those are two main ones, um, two main ways that she did that um, effort of narration towards um, a different subject matter or something. And so, yep, notebooking is a really cool. I'm intrigued author. by that. I think I might want to ask her if she would talk about her history book of centuries sometime with me on the podcast, because I think that would be a really neat way to, <laughs> to um, just talk yeah. about history. And You know what I should have done is brought up some resources, some really good resources. And I'm going to, is it okay if I mention a couple of good titles? Please do mention them and then I'll link them in the show notes. And if there are books by Charlotte Mason as well, we can mention and link those in the show notes as well. Yeah. Thank you. Um, well, we, we do carry here and, and of course we would all benefit from reading Charlotte Mason's original volumes. And she has six volumes that detail her philosophy. Um, the one that is most succinct that pulls it all together is called the philosophy of education or towards a philosophy of education. We have different copies of it here, um, but it is written in Victorian English. She was, she wrote it a hundred years ago. And so it is a little bit, it, it's quite heady and um, um, not for the faint of heart. It's not beach reading. But it is very good. Um, 
But if you want some some specific um, ideas, if you really want to learn about a Charlotte Mason style of narration, you should you should look at Know and Tell uh, by Karen Glass and um, The Living Page by Laurie Bestfodder. Um, and we have both of those here. And they are amazing. Living Page really gets into the notebooking idea. And Know and Tell is new in the last few years and really gets into this idea of narration and, and using it as a formal way to teach um, writing and composition. So a lot of times in a Charlotte Mason education, we, we get stuck in this idea that we just narrate and we don't get to the upper levels of, of formally um, defending our ideas in a research essay or in a formal um, writing situation. And Charlotte Mason really did advocate for that and gave methodology for teaching our children upper level writing skills as well. And so she talks in, um, in Know and Tell about the very simple beginnings of narration and how it is just about telling back and, um, and up to upper high school levels where we're teaching our children formal composition skills. Great. So I think you touched on this uh, a little bit when you were talking about the fact that Charlotte Mason, you know, wasn't homeschooling. And so we may find ourselves becoming slightly overwhelmed with trying to do everything perfectly or as we've talked about um, off the record, almost making a religion out of a a teaching method. Um, So are there any weaknesses or pitfalls that you can think of that a homeschooler should be aware of when using this method of education? Absolutely. Absolutely. I hope other people can say this about their methods too, but yes, (laughs) there's always going to be. And, um, and then you touched on it really Rowan with the idea that um, we can make a religion of this. We can make Charlotte Mason the ruler of our school. And, um, and it's really my heart and my belief is that we are as parents given the, um, the stewardship of our children by God. God has put us in this position where he's looked down on us as parents and said, I'm trusting you with this one. Like I made this one and I knew about this one before the beginning of time. And I'm trusting you to raise this one. And it's a, it's an awesome, a very awesome responsibility. And if we misplace the head of that education with a particular person, then we're going to frustrate ourselves. We're going to put a lot of pressure on ourselves. We're going to, um, we're going to miss the mark. Um, so from a Christian perspective, Charlotte Mason education is limited in that we are called to raise up our children in the way they should go. And nobody can give us all of the tools to do this short of what we find in the Bible and what Jesus teaches us. So um, we need to step back from, from making too much importance and making Charlotte Mason into the gospel. That's not who she is. Um, but, but from an also just a practical educational point of view, we can really err on the side I didn't teach them Iliad. I didn't teach them Plutarch. I didn't teach them enough poetry or art or music and, and putting a burden on ourselves that can really be um, overwhelming and frustrating. And um, it's not a good answer, but my answer is often I'm a functional adult and I didn't read Plutarch as a student. And so it's okay if we miss that if that's what your family needs and, and we can't throw everything out and still call it a Charlotte Mason education, but we need to pour a lot of grace on this and say, what parts can we do? 
And to do that to the best of our family's ability, rather than spreading ourselves thin and feeling like there is a burden of having to do a lot. Because in a Charlotte Mason style of education, the everyday nitty gritty, she actually had up to 15 or 20 subjects that a student would study in a in a week. Now, a lot of other styles of education would say, well, you know, 10 of those subjects are language arts because you were studying Shakespeare and poetry and writing and, you know, and we would bind those up differently. But really, if you never teach your children Latin, they can still be um, all God wants them to be. And that's okay. And we need to acknowledge that. So, um, so a Charlotte Mason education can put a, a very heavy mantle on you. It can really um, um, it can, it can cause us to expect too much for ourselves because we say there's 20 different subjects and I have to do them all this week. No, you know what? Charlotte Mason probably didn't always. And I know she didn't always study Shakespeare all year long. Maybe she studied it for a time Well, they weren't studying poetry and so on. So we need to, to lift that burden and say, we did Shakespeare this year. Next year, we're going to do poetry or we did Shakespeare this time. Next time we're going to da, 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 da. Um, the other, the other downfall to a Charlotte Mason education is just like I said about narration. A lot of times we can say, I don't have, I don't believe in curriculum. And so we can often also say, um, we can also often make that mean, I don't believe in structure and I don't believe in rigor or, um, or a high standard of education. And so um, a Charlotte Mason education should still also have a high standard of education and not be our way of saying, well, you know, we don't believe in curriculum, so we're not going to um, worry about them having the ability to um, to write a, a three paragraph or a, a three paragraph, five paragraph essay. Um, it, we still do want to um, to be formal, and so some, I think that balancing that is about simplifying and peeling stuff away and pouring a lot of grace on education and saying this is what we can do and this is what we can do well. Um, but realize that Charlotte Mason is not the parent in this family. She's not raising these children in this culture with these digital resources, with these influences, with these, these poles on our family that are different than they were a hundred years ago. And, um, and realizing that we need to build our children's education as homeschoolers. We do this. We say, I want something different. We jumped off of, of what's normal in, in other people's opinions. And so we need to be able to also tailor an education to what our kids need. And so not fall into the, um, the trap of, of making Charlotte Mason the gospel and having to do all of the pieces, but also not falling into that trap of, of saying, well, we don't believe in curriculum. We'll just let it fly. And so I think that there is a very good place for curriculum in a Charlotte Mason education, if well applied. And I mean, there is going to be curriculum in a Charlotte Mason education. It's uh... that It makes me think of a question that I had on my mind while you were talking and then you led into it perfectly. So thank you. It's not on our <laughs> list of questions, but what, what would a Charlotte Mason style resource look like other than a good piece of literature? Like, do you know what um, I mean? Like Charlotte Mason yeah. ed- educators would ha- would have something in mind when they were looking Absolutely. at a product or a curriculum. So um, what would what would that look like? Uh, there's a few now. I I could probably I could like research this and say this a little more succinctly because I'm 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 
let me tell you how we played this out in our house. And I put you on the spot. I really did. But I think you have specialized in Charlotte Mason um, resources in your maple tree company. So maybe you could answer that for us. Um, We always plan to have stuff that I, I always look for resources that I would want to own anyway. So what I mean is something that when we're done grade three spelling, we're not going to say, I don't want to ever have that. Like I'm never going to open that book again. I want to have something that's a rich um, uh, resource that I'm going to say, wow, that was really good. I hope that we get the chance to reread that soon. Um, so we look for resources that are um, ones that we want to keep. Now there is stuff that's incremental. Um, but ones that are very engaging. So um, we still do have incremental learning. Um, and I, I'm a math mama, so I get very excited about math. And it's hard to, to balance these ideas of Charlotte Mason, because she's so very rich in arts and, and ideas and philosophy and, and getting into the human mind and how God created people and how he gave people to give us um, these big ideas and big discoveries, as well as beautiful artwork and, and stuff. But but getting into math, a lot of times it's hard to say, how would Charlotte Mason apply that? And for me in math, it's, it's reading a book, uh, a math curriculum that is very incremental and helps us to learn um, skill upon skill, but also engages me and says, why am I doing it? How is this working? What is the, the idea and philosophy or like, what is the idea behind this? What is the reason why? So I want my kids when they have, um, math, for example, to know the why and the how, and not just that I've memorized it and I can. So I want to give them resources that are vibrant, um, that help them to build skill upon skill, and ones that we would want to keep using. Um, Ones that integrate good literature as much as possible, and integrate that time in nature as much as possible. So listening to uh, the story of our history is a beautiful way to get in touch with um, our our um, our history, right? So if I listen to your um, your headphone history, I I know that it's written by somebody who's like, I'm really excited about this. I want to tell you about this story, and so it sticks with me then, and it sticks with me when I when I do that uh, with world history or with a with a story about an episode in history. Or if I do that, um, my, our our family we've used Life of Fred for math. And it yes, I was been- thinking of that actually when you were talking about math, and that helped one of my kids who's very artsy, but yeah, um, it's not really see math in a new way. Yeah. Yeah, it's not going to fit every kid because some kids are like, I just want to, I want to see progress and get something done. Whereas Life of Fred is a story and there is a problem set at the end, but it's a story that integrates you into the story. And, and it's so, hilarious. Yes. And it's goofy and hilarious. And <laughs> we, we learn a lot from it. We really like it. And I still really like it, even though I've got 15 other choices here on the shelf. But um, yeah, choosing curriculum from a Charlotte Mason standpoint doesn't have to be expensive can be done largely with your library card, um, should be done with lots of good classic literature or good literature in general, doesn't all have to be classics, but um, stuff that is well-written with a good vocabulary and a good moral. Um, and um, stuff that is, um, it, it's, um, it's still incremental and valuable in that sense. So um, is, that, is that an answer? Yes, that's a great answer. And, um, and I was thinking too of just um, things that are beautiful. When I look at Charlotte Mason resources, I don't know, but just even the covers 
are beautiful and it's like a book that you'd want to have in your library like you said you don't want to necessarily let it go <laughs> because it's such a great book or and it and or it's beautiful and there's a quality to it I think that um I guess it does resonate with me. So when I started homeschooling, I actually had never heard of Charlotte Mason and I, we didn't even have homeschooling styles. We just like did what we thought we knew. And so I've really found out about it after the fact. And, um, but I think if I were to pick one, if anyone cares about my opinion, that's the one that has resonated the most with me because it's the literature and the nature study and the notebooking. Like I used to do that as a kid in my spare time, just take a notebook out into nature and like draw pictures of the flowers that I saw and look up in my guidebook, the facts and write them into my notebook. Like I just did that as a nerdy yeah. child in my spare time. <laughs> and I love it is literature. The so. Yeah. It's getting into the beauty of God's creation. And Charlotte Mason talked about how um, what she wants is for children to have something every day to love, something to think about, and something to do. She also talked about having um, children get in touch with God, with his creation, and with man who he created. And so we need to get in touch with all of those things and to have that love for, for knowing and doing and being and that is just so much. It just, it's like an engine that drives an education because if you can get a child who can get in touch with those things and we're guiding them rightly to good quality materials and you're giving them that drive to something that's something they can do things daily that they know that they, they love, that they love to do and to think about. And um, then, then that will drive them on to finding um, more education than we could ever provide. Yes, and, and I more and, I, and strong education. Yes, and and I think too that as we learn to connect with others and we learn to connect with nature, I think we'll take care of them. Yes, because we'll yes. love them, we'll love people, and we'll love uh, the environment and nature. And because we love it, we'll care about it. We love yes. them, and we'll care about them. So I think yes. that's part of what an education should should lead yes. us to, right? Yeah, it's that strong sense of value and of a place of, of, of where I stand in God's creation and in, in how he values me, how um, he um, values all of the people that he has created and how we should invest in them. Um, yeah, it's, it's a profoundly spiritual experience to educate children. Yes, it yes, it is. Well, thank you so much, Corey. I think we've got a very good idea of what it means to teach with a Charlotte Mason education. And we talked about the philosophies, which I think are, if we were to ask Charlotte Mason what um, the most important th things are, it would be probably more about the ideas of education even than the application. But then just in review, we also talked about narration, notebooking, living books, and other kind of applications of the Charlotte Mason philosophy of education. So for all of you listening, I hope that you've enjoyed this conversation and that you've had your questions answered about Charlotte Mason education. And we will be putting links to all of the resources and books that were mentioned in the show notes, but probably uh, the most important link, we'll put a link to the learning house because, um, 
that is where uh, Corey is running yeah, her business. All the resources here, and you yep. Can touch yeah, yep. And so and since you can get she's in touch with Louise and I'm here too. yeah, so since Sorry. she's, it's okay. I'm trying to give you a shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> so since um, that's where that's where we're getting this information and getting those resources, that would be a really great place for you to check out and and get uh, the Charlotte Mason resources that you're looking for. So thank you so much, Corey. Thank you, Rowan. It's nice chatting again. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. You can find helpful links and show notes for this episode at our website, canadahomeschools.com. Please share this podcast with your friends and leave a rating and positive review on your podcast provider. This will help others find their dose of inspiration and encouragement. Happy homeschooling, Canada! Hee <laughs> hee!